Hello, welcome to another Music Ally Focus with me, Music Ally's editor, Joe Sparrow. In this episode, we're very happy to welcome Nicholas Molinder, the successful songwriter who co-founded the Music Credits Ecosystem Session, along with two other Swedish songwriters you may have heard of, Max Martin and Bjorn Ulveus. We ask him what he's doing to make sure that as much new music as possible has all the correct credits and metadata baked in from the start. And we ask him why getting music metadata straightened out is taking quite so long. Now, each Music Ally Focus podcast analyzes one meaningful music biz story at a time, and thus this podcast is going to be fairly quick. It should take about the same amount of time as Thailand La or Nusrat Johan Nipa could eat 750 grains of rice. That's one grain at a time, please note, with chopsticks. They're both able to eat 27 in one minute, in a record that I think sounds like it would be easy to beat, but probably is not. Now, talking of completing a huge task one tiny piece at a time, there has long been a desire for better music metadata to be attached to the music it is about. Session was founded in 2019 by Bjorn Ulveus, Nicholas Molinder and Max Martin and aims to attach complete metadata to all recordings and songs at the point of creation. Nicholas has written and produced songs for artists such as Miley Cyrus, Lady Gaga, Mary J. Blige and the Jonas Brothers, so he knows a bit about the importance of attaching credits to music. So I ask him why they're so important, why it's taking such a long time to build an ecosystem and culture of metadata through the whole music creation and consumption pipeline, and how on earth the companies who are spending fortunes buying decades-old songs that often have patchy metadata then go about uncovering and attaching the correct credits to their catalogue of music. Let's talk to Nicholas now. So, uh, very happy to welcome Nicholas Molinder to the podcast. Hello, Nicholas. Hi there. Uh, how are you? Very good, thank you. It's a sunny day here, and uh, so everything feels great. Now, um, can you just introduce yourself for the listeners, set the context, and explain the background on, on your side individually, but also what session is and how you came to do that? Yeah, so uh, I'm a songwriter and music producer. Uh, I, I really love to say that because that's what I'm still, even though I work with other things, I still consider myself being a music uh, creator, songwriter, and music producer. So uh, I, um, I've been doing that from uh, my hometown in Sweden. Uh, been working on the international market, but uh, been producing and writing music for artists all around the world, but based in Sweden. Uh, so... Um, you know, I, I was as all music creators, uh, even though yeah, I'm 50 years old, so I've been around for very, you know, for many years. My first release was actually on a vinyl. So during my career, I've been through a couple of distribution formats, all from the, the vinyl cassettes to CD, uh, MP3 downloads, and then streaming. So uh, as a creator, I was always frustrated uh, when I didn't realize or understood how really I got compensated when my music was used in the world. I could understand if I uh, a label asked me to produce something, uh, you know, they paid me an upfront, uh, you know, I got some front upfront cash for doing what, uh, doing the recording. But then when I received royalty statements, and especially as a songwriter, all the long, uh, and also since I'm old again, now it's PDFs, but back then it was actually printed papers, which was, uh, paper, you know, okay. you got a okay. 
stack of paper when when the statement came. And I didn't really understand how the amounts that I see here, you know, and all the lines of information, is it correct? You know, is you know, so I always had that um that feeling that I, I didn't have control over my own income. Uh but at one point, me and my partner, we were so successful in our music creation, so we could not really keep up delivering all their requested songs from us. So we decided to uh, sign a few really talented up-and-coming music creators. Uh, and that meant also that we became a production house and a publishing company. I was so naive at the time, so I thought I could run the administration side for this with my right hand. In the, at the same time, I was in the studio producing and, and writing, producing music. Uh, but, oh, no, just for the five of us, me and my partner and our three up, ta- talented up-and-coming creators, I was constantly chasing data, for real. I mean, and, and that was when I was in charge of, of, of the administration side of our business, I realized that, oh, I, I, it's not enough if I get the information about the creators signed to us I need the information about everyone else we're working with, not only their names, their identifiers, their publishers' identifiers, which societies they are registered uh, with. And on the recording side, who are playing? Not only the name, I need their stage name, the the display display name that's going to go with the credits, their identifier as performers. My God, and this is supposed to be done by a small group of people in the studio that normally don't give a shit about this because they just <laughs> want to create music. So that was when I came up with an idea for my own business. I need something, a platform or, a, you know, I tried spreadsheets, I tried emails, phone calls, whatever, but nothing really worked. But that's when the idea was to build a platform with the one purpose – to capture all the data about who did what, where, and when on a song. And when I mean the song, I mean both the musical work and the recording. Everything in one place to simplify that using the music industry's identifiers, which means for a creator, the identifiers is equal your social security number. You need a specific number as a songwriter and as a performer. And now also a third one called ISNI. So you need three as an individual and make sure that all my contributions are linked to the musical work identifier and the recording identifier, the so-called ISWCs and ISRCs. So... If that could be done more or less automatically in the studio on a platform that also provides really nice to have features that simplifies the creation process for me, that I could have can have all my audio in one place. Because as a producer, I was constantly struggling with keeping track where are all my audio files linked to the song or the recording I'm I'm working on, the instrumental, the TV tracks, and now all the stems. So, and lyrics was also a challenge. So one place for the lyrics, because the lyrics was always written on a piece of paper somewhere or on someone's computer. And when you needed it, no one had it. So with all this, the idea of session was born. So together with Max Martin and Björn Olveus, I was super... uh, um, proud uh, that I could get two of the biggest music creators on the planet that are also from Sweden uh, to join me 
on this um, endeavor to to build this platform. Uh, and uh, we started the work, and it's long time ago now. I think we started like eight years ago, but we did it with the purpose of helping the creators to simplify the process of identifying themselves using the industry identifiers and also give them nice features that simplifies the creation process and call it more a collaboration tool than actually a data tool to not make it so so heavy. Uh, so that was session uh, with the idea behind session. And that's the, the goal that we've been working from. Uh, and uh, we are now a full a platform that are available on on all phones or on the web but also now directly on the recording software the DAWs so it's super simple to use um when someone walks into the studio the engineer just have to or the producer just have to open session directly on Pro Tools Logic or Ableton or whatever DAW they're using the the songwriter or the performer just scan a QR code boom you're linked to to the song, to the recording or, or the musical work. And you don't have to worry about anything more. We push the information downstream to where it needs to go. So that's kind of an explanation of what it is. Yeah, so tight integration, I guess, is really important from an artist's perspective because, as you said, the artists just want to get on with making music and recording. Right? They, they, they don't want to have to do what you did, which is chasing all, the, all those people. <laughs> when, when you spoke to Bjorn and Max for the first time, about this, did they sort of immediately recognize this, the same problem as you? Yeah, they had, um, a, it was a bit different uh, angles of why they joined. I would say that Max joined it because he needed it for his own uh, production company. I mean, he he was in exactly the same situation as I was, you know, but but he there was much more money involved on his side. I can tell you that. <laughs> uh, but uh, so but still, there, they have many creators signed to their production company and publishing. So they, they needed it because of that. Uh, Bjorn joined of a different reason, I would say, uh, because he wants the industry, the music industry, to be more fair to creators. He really thinks that uh, all the unidentified, the so-called black box money that is paid out to the wrong receivers of the money, uh, money that is generated because of creators that uh, created the music, but the industry couldn't find who they you know where they were or who they were so therefore Bjorn said I really want to be behind it because we need to create a much better and sustainable system for identifying yeah. creators so we can find them so so that was the reason for Bjorn joining actually let's talk about the the music credits in a sort of functional sense then um when it comes to artists careers obviously music credits are incredibly important to give artists their dues and and you know let everybody know who made the songs, whether they're songwriters or engineers or, or whatever. Mm. But getting all this information centralized, what does it mean to artists in terms of the financial sense in terms of maybe future career opportunity from that kind of visibility? Mm. I mean, first, I, I, I'm, I must compare to, to what a music creator do in other parts of their lives uh, in other parts of their lives data is really important and and to identify themselves and there's no question about it when they want to access their bank account uh, 
they need to know their social security number and and if they have if a music creator uh, have a work somewhere else or or having an employee somewhere the most important thing is to give your uh, employer your banking information so they know where to put your salary when you board an airline you make sure that you have the right application and get the right boarding card to get on the plane because if you don't have this you don't get on board the plane or you don't cannot withdraw your money when it comes to music something happens here because at, now we suddenly think that it's not important for me to be accurate with my data the music creation is the only thing that's important and here is where i i really want to see a change in the creative community because focus 99% on the music creation do that but take 1% of the time to just make sure that you identify yourself in other words make sure that you use a tool paper or pen or whatever you use but make sure that everyone you work with know who you are who represents you and what your IDs are i mean you could literally have a business card with all the information printed on it and just give it out to people or use a tool or whatever and make sure that the others are doing the same to you which you as a music creator do in all other situations in life and if you take that step and just make sure that you, you share this information you have done everything you can to make sure that what's called the registrations and let's say that we equally you know compare it to the bank again that is like the same thing as putting money into your account if you make sure that you you would never put money into your account writing an account number that you think is right you make sure that the account number because then you know the money gets into your account making sure that you get and share the information about everyone you work with is it secures to the extent what you really can do that everything will be right uh, downstream there will then of course be there's so many involved parties so there's still a risk for errors and and conflicts but you have at least then all information to contact the others if there's uh, problems and if you do that you will then affect your career that you can make sure that first your name will be visible in on those places where credits are displayed uh, if you made sure that uh, your name is 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 connected to the recording or to the musical work but you can also affect your career by getting more money because if everything yeah. is correct you will get your money faster and more accurate and then you will have money so you can continue to create music and make more songs so to me the data is still secondary because the music creation is number 1 and what should yeah. take the most time but the data is even if it's unsexy and boring it's next to the creation it's the most important thing you have as a creator yeah you were talking then of the importance of integration into music creation um you've also had you you've had a recent partnership that you've launched with soundcloud C could mm -hmm. you explain that partnership a little bit and also explain why it's important to first of all the artists who are putting music there but also how it fits in with that credits ecosystem you mentioned what's so good with this you know now we have been uh, for the last uh, couple of minutes talking about the importance of data in how 
or you know how you capture all the data about who did what, where, and when. But when we have that data, we also need to make sure that as seamless as possible, the data is delivered to anyone downstream that really needs that information. And uh, on in this crazy world we're in right now, with all the thousands and thousands of songs that are created and released every day, um, it's important. You know, the majority of the song comes from what we call the DIY do-it-yourself market. And SoundCloud is a very big uh, player on the market for these do-it-yourself releasing artists and producers. So when you release or upload a a recording to SoundCloud uh, through their web interface, you more or less, you drag and drop an audio file and it's uploaded to your account. But that means that all other data, they just get the audio file and the name of the audio file. All other data needs to be manually input. And the statistics is that no one really add any information. So it's an audio file and, and, uh, and the title. Uh, so the smart thing with the integration between the session platform and, and SoundCloud is that since sessions been automatically capturing information about who did what, where and when, lyrics uh, and all that, when you use the, the SoundCloud integration on the session platform, that information is automatically sent to SoundCloud. So suddenly you you know that, oh, now SoundCloud have all the information that I have. I don't have to retype or go back a few months later and correct. Everything was uploaded seamlessly. And so that type of deli- data delivering together with the actual audio is to me what I think the industry needs to do more. And uh, we are actually right now uh, doing the same integration with a couple of uh, the aggregators or the digital distribution services. Uh, and so in in very uh, near future, it will also be possible to release music through the aggregators uh, through the ses- session platform. And we're doing the same with the, the labels. Uh, so we think that information should never be retyped. If it's captured in the studio, just scanning a QR code and then automatically delivered to the label or to the aggregator, no one has to retype anything and the information will be correct and you will be fined as a creator of the music if there's money to be received. So simplified and automated. And, and, and that's about completing the pipeline between every step of the, the process from creation to labels to distribution to uh, DSPs to consumption, right? So that's mm-hmm. – and, and that's a difficult task, right? That's, that's um, obviously something which – I mean, this is a famously complicated task, right? And we'll we'll talk about that in a a moment. Mm. In in the recorded music industry, you could argue that we're seeing a sort of, not not a divide, but we're seeing two different big sections of music in terms of consumption. Catalog music, which whether you say that that's over 18 months old or over five months old or whatever, music from the past, where music credit data, especially if you go further back into the 70s, 60s, 50s, can get very broken and patchy and like you say maybe on a piece of paper somewhere and then frontline music where there is an opportunity like you've just described to bake the correct data in from the very beginning all the way through forever so you've just described a sort of pipeline process from you go in the studio you scan your qr code 
and that data is carried with you forever through all forms of consumption that haven't been invented yet and, and ahead forever. But how else will it affect them in terms of if their data is everywhere, what, what change does that make? If we talk from a session perspective, we are looking into solutions to try to go backwards and try to fix things in catalog. But when, uh, and the, your question is really interesting and really relevant because here, what happens when you release a new recording to the market? The data, if it doesn't matter if it's a lot of missing data or if you have complete data or if it's uh, some data but with dispute, the data will now be spread out in the world to thousands of places like databases at uh, copyright societies, the so-called CMOs, to publishers, mm -hmm. to DSPs. And to change data on all these places afterwards is really complicated. And so, in other words, changing existing music, the so-called catalog music, is very tough. And sometimes the people that created the music might not even be alive anymore. So it's going to be there's not even an answer to it. But we are looking to on solutions for going backwards. But session is focused on the front line, the new music going forward, because if we don't change the way data is captured and delivered uh, to the music industry, we will sit here in 30 years still complaining that the data about the music is so bad and we cannot find the creators. And what happens and how this affects the creators when the data is bad or spread out in the world with conflicts uh, uh, is that just we need to then go back to the under again and explain that when a consumer in the world hears what we call a song. What they hear from a rights perspective is two things. It's the underlying musical work that the songwriters and publishers are in control of and the recording which the producer or the label is in charge of. And the whole distribution chain of the Spotify's and the YouTube's and the Apple music, they they have as a mandatory rule that you cannot release that recording for people to listen to without the identifier for the recording called ISRC. Yeah. But there's no mandatory rule for the ISWC. So it means that if the data is not linked, the songwriters will not be found when the reports coming in from Spotify saying, we've been playing this recording, in other words, this ISRC, thousand times. And if yeah. the underlying information to the, the, the songwriters is not there, no one in the world can find the songwriters. So that means that those two identifiers need to be linked. And the bitter fact is that there are numbers that, but not really, we cannot confirm it 100%. But there is an, an estimate of 80% missing links between the recording and the works identifiers on some societies, which means that songwriters and publishers don't get paid. But if we make sure that that data is there linked from the beginning before the data is spread out in the world, we will change how songwriters and publishers get paid. Uh, so, it, And that's it, a fundamental change. I mean, that's a... And if if, if yeah. those statistics you mentioned are, are even close to true, that's a huge change. Yeah, yeah, and and it's you said before, and I, I and that it I, I don't remember exactly how you said it, but it it can get complicated. But 
it's it gets complicated downstream if we release something to the market without all the information i i say that what session really can do a change that the five identifiers that we've been talking about the three individual and the one for musical work and one for recording if those five are assigned linked and matched before the first commercial release of the recording we will change drastically how everyone will get paid uh, more accurate than paid uh, uh, when their music is used. And that will change music, uh, music creators' lives because they will then get more money so they can be in the studio more creating more music. So, so yeah. that's how the data, the few seconds after each uh, creation session if you just take a few minutes or sometimes seconds or use a session and you scan a QR code, that can actually change your life, uh, you know, and then how you get paid and compensated for music. It's yeah. also important to say that all music is, is the payment system is related to how much your music is used. So just because you get all the data, it doesn't mean that you're automatically going to get more money. Someone needs to listen to your music, but that's, I mean, the, mo the majority of the creators that's understand a whole, that's that. That's a whole different uh, problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Right? Yeah. <laughs> One yes, at a time, yes. uh, Nicholas. That's, yes. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's a, a big ambition, but as you say, it's it's something that people want. People want this. They want this coherency of data. They want it not to be missing and broken and they want it to be easy so the big question is why has this never happened how many hours do we have <laughs> so good 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 question so here you're on to something now that i must be totally open and honest with you this is what i'm thinking about all the time a whole industry wants to change we see it all from from decision makers executives on the big music companies we see governments get involved and, and try to regulate how how this is going to be done we have hundreds thousands of millions of creators that complains that they don't get credited and and, and compensated for what the first step is to identify people during the creation process and from a session perspective, we offer a super simple solution that helps everyone, everyone. We offer them it for free. We don't even charge for it. Session is a free solution. It's just a download. It's a freemium model that is based on storage. So if you use a lot of storage, then we're going to charge you for storage. But five gigabytes is free and the data entry level is completely free. But still, even if we help the industry and the creators with this, we have to fight for each user to make them understand that, please use this. Let us help you get more money. Uh, and uh, uh, so I answer to your question, I don't know why it's so hard to achieve the change. And the, the discussions about the change has not been going on a couple of weeks. It has been going on for years so yeah, I don't know. Yes. I just wish we could get more. Uh, I mean, we uh, more attraction around the subject. There can't be more. There are panels every day. There's, yes. uh, uh, you know, this, all information in the world, but there's no change. It's it's funny, isn't it? If if I sit through one more panel about uh, music metadata at a conference, I think my brain will explode. 
uh, because it, it's just <laughs> we all everyone knows about it now. You know, um, yeah, I know. Let's touch on one thing you mentioned there, which is the, the sort of perhaps the more complicated problem. I know this is not your your main focus at the moment, but it is a meaningful problem, which is going backwards and saying, mm-hmm. okay, this is where music metadata and and credits for songwriters gets very complicated for lots of reasons songwriters could be dead pieces of paper could be lost maybe people were never credited properly in the first place for hundreds of reasons um how obviously catalog music is a, is a very important part of streaming and music consumption it's around 50 or 60 percent of or more of, of music consumption so it's it's a big it's a big area where people could be losing out how complicated is that problem? First, I must say what what we're discussing now, catalog, is something really interesting. Uh, what I think is the brilliant thing with the, what's been going on the last couple of years is that old music and sometimes undiscovered old music suddenly gets a completely new chance. And uh, and that together, especially with uh, with what we call sync to TV series, you know, where songs really get uh, a new chance and sometimes songs that we didn't even know existed from the 70s and the 80s get like are becoming huge hits. I, th- I love that. I think it's amazing. Um, but again, it's... It, I. And and those for those creators, songwriters, artists, or uh, producers that sits on a catalog with value, because we must here also understand that the value here lies in someone believing in your catalog and that you they think that they can earn money on you. If you're in that situation, I mean, it's a brilliant opportunity for a, a songwriter or an artist to sell the catalog to someone that believe uh, in them and they can get a big chunk of money. Uh, but then they also need to understand that that's the last money they ever will see because the m- music is now going to be owned by a, a, another company. In terms of then the, the credits, is this is it going backwards? Is this something which is just? I mean, the incentive to do it is different for lots, of, depending on who owns it, right? So I'm, I'm sure if if a company who's invested a lot of money in catalog is really working hard now to get every single bit of data attached to every single song they've just paid a lot of mm. money for, but then at the same mm. time, that like you say, there are people out there who have written and recorded and. Pre- published songs a long time ago maybe they're great songs and are ready to be rediscovered but the data isn't there and they won't they might not get paid so no no uh, again it gets down to it and and uh, what we've been saying that and now i i know uh, a number of people uh, that are in one way or another involved in investing in in, in old catalogs and what they all do when they have purchased the, the catalog they need to spend an enormous amount of time to go in and, as you said, clear and, and clear the catalog and try to find the right links. And when they have the right links, they need to make sure that the links are the new links are spread out to all the sources in the world where the money coming from. So when you sell the catalog, the company that buys it needs to, to, to do a lot of work. But to simplify that, it goes back to what we said. If we only knew from the start who did what, where and when on on, on the song, that process would have been 
easy, checked. We don't have to spend more time on it. But unfortunately, we we, we don't. Uh, on the majority of the songs out there, that's not the case. So, uh, so and and for those who uh, artists, successful artists that have been selling their catalogs for huge amounts of money, I think that it was probably a really good deal for them because on the existing music they had out before the purchase, the data was probably really bad and the links were missing because no one was really doing the work in the same way as a company that just spend a huge amount of money buying that catalog. And the only reason why that company bought it is because they want to earn more money than they spent on the purchase. So they need to fix the data. Uh, so, um, so of course, I think it's a benefit for everyone um, when a catalog is, is bought, to be honest. Um, it, it will probably take a bit longer time for the companies that buy catalogs really expensive until they have recouped the money. But if they are successful with a couple of songs in a couple of Netflix series, you know, they, they will be, you know, probably there, they're going to be okay. Yeah. But it just goes to show that that it's very expensive to go back. However you do it to go back and put the data in decades later is an incredibly expensive and time consuming process. So if you think it takes Mm. a long time now when you're making the music, wait 20 years and do it then it'll 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 cost you a lot more time and money i guess yeah um, and and what what we can say about that i just want to fill in on that and if if any of our our, our listeners here now are uh, artists like for as we need we, you need to have some you know people need to listen to your music to uh, to uh, if you're ever going to get paid but if you are like an, an artist with uh, a decent fan base, where, but uh, in, and I mean, you're maybe not a Max Martin or or Abba or you know on that level, mm. because they earn so extreme much money, and they also have people that are controlling the data around their work constantly. But if you're a bit under that, where a lot of things are on you, if you're signed to a label and a label has thousands of songs signed or a publisher, they don't have the time and the bandwidth to control everything you do so that means that you are going to suffer as a creator if you and money that you probably should receive will not find you because the the industry don't find you so as a creator do as much as you can on your own as well help your label help your publisher to try to figure out if you just log into your uh, if you're a songwriter log into your pro uh, web portal and check if you see disputes if you see misinformation and help uh, uh, the, your publisher uh, to with this and inform them if things are wrong you can do a lot of things on your own um and I will put a link to session beneath the podcast and people who are listening mm. who haven't checked it out yeah. before, whether they're artists or artist teams or labels or whatever, can check it out and, and mm. see if it's for them. And, uh, um, you know, they can, I'm, there's, there's plenty of resources there. I've looked at the website myself to, to fully understand it and, and to get mm. all the plugins and everything you need. Um, let's to, to, to round things off then. And, and to, this sort of fits in in some ways, but it's more of a, a sort of a personal contextual question just to finish things off. And it's, it's about you. If you could only take one piece of music with you for the rest of your life to listen to, it could be, if you want to stretch this, it could be an album but or a song. What would that be? Uh, I did not sting. You know, I say sting immediately. Uh, and... Uh, 
a song and uh, that I had a sting song that I love is called they dance alone. And I, I, that was the first thing that came to my mind. So I would actually say that even though I, I'm in a, a really jazz mode right now and, uh, an album I couldn't live without is the, the Swedish brilliant, uh, jazz singer, uh, Monica Settelund and her album Waltz for Debbie. So if I could bring an album and a song, that's my two choices. I will let you, I will let you do that. that. That's completely acceptable. I will put links to those beneath oh, the podcast oh. as well and people can check them out. Thank you so much. Terrific. Yeah. Okay, Niklas Molander, thanks ever so much for joining us. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure to be here. So there we are. Thanks again to Niklas. And if you found that useful, please share the podcast on with someone else you think will get something out of it. And if you'd like to get in touch with me, you are always welcome to. It's joe at musically.com. That's joe at musically.com. We also have a free weekly email called The Knowledge, which rounds up bits and pieces of the best analysis, news, marketing insight and skills from Music Ally and deposits it with a wet thud in your inbox every Friday. You can find a sign-up link somewhere around this podcast. And if you're not fully committed uh, to signing up for an email at the moment, you can also find a mini version of our weekly email on LinkedIn called a little knowledge. Uh, so that's it from me this time. Uh, I've been Joe Sparrow, and you have been our very welcome listeners. Thanks for joining us, and see you soon. <laughs>